sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Today on Viewpoint, we announce several great firsts in the history of the world. And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And today is no exception. First, we are being told by a policy analyst writing in the Center for European Polity and Analysis that a NATO North Atlantic Treaty Organization without limits, an expansion of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization to all democratic nations is in the works. The 21st century threat landscape, said this policy analyst, calls for a global alliance capable of mutual defense It is the ultimate expression of the globalist vision of the Western world, friends, just as we've been talking about here for years. And now it's it's on paper, it's in writing, and it's in the context of what is taking place today. Also today, this very day at Camp David, President Joseph Biden has gathered together the presidents of Japan and Korea, that is South Korea, who have been at odds with one another for umpteen years because of history. And today is deemed the first such trilateral meeting in history. Why? Does this have anything to do now with NATO actually being expanded to include South Korea? And Japan, who are nowhere near Europe. Indeed, that is exactly, my friends, what the greater vision is. And it deserves our our conversation and even commitment to understand today. In addition to that, Israel has announced $30 million that is being committed to AI. That's right, AI a supercomputing innovation. Israel is set to bolster its position in the fields of artificial intelligence and supercomputing with strategic investment by the Israel Innovation Authority. An allocation of up to $30 million will will fund the establishment of a state-of-the-art research and development lab aimed at providing crucial infrastructure and support to companies and researchers across the nation. And... The lab will specifically target advancements required for AI computation, high-performance computing, data centers, and processing units. Selected to lead the endeavor is Next Silicon, an Israeli company renowned for its innovative processing technologies. Next Silicon will head a consortium of four Israeli companies, each which possesses expertise in diverse areas of AI and supercomputing. Why is this important? Why is this coming out now? Because, friends, this AI support, coupled with supercomputing, will be absolutely necessary in order to carry out the new global government. Did you hear that? 
And Israel is making the way, paving the way for that to happen because they have such extraordinary tech support there. And then finally, Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, engaged in an unconventional interview yesterday when he held a conversation with the avatar of esteemed Israeli journalist Amit Siegel. This innovation was introduced by a forward-thinking tech startup in Israel, starting a startup focusing on integrating artificial intelligence into global news mediums. It's the first-of-a-kind interview and was orchestrated to commemorate the inauguration of the Paraguayan embassy in Jerusalem. The dialogue, which started in Hebrew, was seamlessly translated into Spanish and adjusted to emulate Siegel's distinct speech patterns, offering audiences an intriguing blend of familiarity and innovation. In a statement shared with the Jerusalem Post, this is just the tip of the iceberg, signaling the ambitious plans to reshape the future of journalism. Scouting, they're scouting to find talent to transform into avatars and collaborating with international presenters. I wonder when they will finally scout for the surrogate Christ. Will he be the ultimate avatar? Today on Viewpoint, that's not our focus. But these are things that are taking place at this moment, right here, this week, in this world, and they are telling us what time it is. As I frequently mentioned, one of the phrases that I still remember from learning French in high school and then for a semester in college is the phrase, quel ur et It means, what time is it? What time is it? Quel ur et what time is it? Well, friends, this is the moment of truth where the valley decision, this is the time that all history has waited for, that the ancient prophets spoke of, that Jesus himself spoke of when he said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. We tie it all together here, connecting the dots on viewpoint, yes, even today, as we focus particularly on the emerging North Atlantic Treaty Organization into a globalist empire, the Western world. And in order to get a better picture of that, I go to my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle. Chapter 13 is titled Globalism versus God. As with ancient Rome, the resurrecting end time Rome will brook no opposition once enthroned. As James Paul Warburg, Warburg wrote, or actually declared, before the United States Senate in 1950, he said, we shall have world government whether or not we like it. The only question, he said, is whether world government will be achieved by conquest or consent. So today, we see, we take a look in living color as to how this is developing right before our eyes, the events that have been taking place, whether it happens to be Russia's attack on Ukraine or our leaving Afghanistan or the problems arising with China and so on. All of these circumstances now are mounting to create what is perceived to be the ideal moment 
to resurrect the utopian vision of a Republican president, George W. Bush, who was reiterating the vision of a Democratic president, Woodrow Wilson, to make the world safe for democracy. Is that really what's taking place? Or are we actually having abandoned the God who made and preserved us the nation, the God of history and his commandments, now unifying together to achieve what those of the ancient Tower of Babel sought to achieve? A world completely independent from God. What do you think that would look like? Let's talk about it here on Viewpoint Today. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation. As always, our viewpoint determines destiny. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain, right there on our website, saveus.org, and you won't be disappointed. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Years ago, many, many years ago, a people gathered together after the flood and decided to reject God's command to disperse throughout the face of the earth and form their nations. But instead, Satan seduced the nations with his own alternative peace plan. Unite the nations, contrary to God's express command. And let them build a global tower system that would reach heaven, or at least create man's best heaven on earth, thus saving the earth from the inevitable consequence of sinful rebellion. And now, unwittingly, friends, history is repeating itself. That God-dispersed tower of Babel of Genesis chapter 11 is now becoming global. And the world will become one under the deceiver's direction until its final destruction. You may remember that the United Nations was founded in 1945, the year of my birth. And one of the earliest official acts was to partition the land of Palestine, which God had eternally deeded to Israel into two nations, one for the Jews and one for the Arabs. That partition was to transpire in 1948. So the deceiver, Satan himself, was deft in his direction, divide Israel, which God decreed to be united as one, and unite the nations which God had commanded to separate. So the divine penalty would be severe. It would be ultimate divine judgment. That's pronounced there in Joel chapter 3, Zechariah chapter 12. Israel was reborn May 14, 1948, and the world has been haunted for its division to this day, and is going to repeat the debacle. So just as God would breathe life into the house of Israel... We heard about that in the Valley of Dry Bones there in Ezekiel 37, that parable, that uh, prophecy. So Satan himself would breathe life in the unifying of the Gentile nations. Satan's counterfeit is nearing completion. So we're going to further trace Satan's historical tracks in our time and his deceptive plan for global dominion right now. So it all happened for the ruins of World War II. A global phenomenon began 
Just as Israel began its phenomenal resurrection from historical obscurity to fulfill biblical prophecy right there on May 14th, 1948, so Europe began a breathtaking rise to world prominence in 1951. Remember that? With the establishment of the European Coal and Steel Community, or what was known as the Common Market. And then came the Treaties of Rome in 1957 and 1958, when I was in junior high school. The declared aim was to give Western Europe greater influence in the world trade and economic affairs. But by 1999, a single European currency called the euro was created and now competes for the dollar for global acceptance. Then in 1993, the very year we formed Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation to prepare for history's final hour, the Maastricht Treaty was signed. It established the political entity known as the European Union. So, again, we're trying to make a very rapid trek through history to help us to understand this trajectory and where it's where it is today and how rapidly it is now moving. The renowned Roman Empire of antiquity, we all know about that, faded into many diverse peoples and countries from the Mediterranean to the Baltic and North Seas for about 2,000 years. But as the curtain is drawn on what we call the church age, those countries now clamor to be included in a spectacular resurrection of, shall we say, Rome. First, it was 27 nations that gathered together to form the European Union for the pursuit of two things, security and prosperity. Now, there's a Hebrew word that singularly describes that pursuit of security and prosperity, and it's called shalom. Broadly speaking, we call it peace. So never before in history had a nation obliterated from its roots like uh, like Israel, been dispersed to the four winds for 2,000 years, been resurrected in its own land. But by contrast, never before in history had been so many countries and peoples then nearing 500 million voluntarily come together in times of peace like the European Union. So, a former head of the resurrecting Rome, that is the EU, said, we must hurry because history is waiting. Interesting words. We must hurry because history is waiting. Well, the thing is, friends, that prophecy isn't waiting because prophecy is God's word already spoken and it's taking place. So, in less than a generation of 70 years, the world has the world witnessed the rebirth of Israel with the apple of God's eye and the rebirth of Rome, which was the deceiver's counterfeit. So merging the spirit of Egypt, the spirit of Babylon, and the spirit of the souls of men, Babel of Babylon now is being rebuilt in men's hearts as what the Bible calls in Revelation 17, mystery Babylon, just as the kingdom of God through the Israel of God is being given life through the hearts of men as the mystery of God. Now, you say, well, where did you come up with all that? How could you get that out so quickly? Well, it's in one little segment, friends, of my book, King of the Mountain. In the chapter called Globalism versus God, and a little segment called A Global Phenomenon. If you want to find out what's really happening, if you want to find out what has been happening historically, and going all the way back 
to the Garden of Eden, and yes, even before that, to the Mount of God in the heavens, where Satan and God had it out on the Mount of God. On the the stones of fire in heaven, the Bible says. You want to go back there and then bring it all forward, that's this book, King of the Mountain. The epic, eternal, and end-time battle. And you will not be disappointed. I can virtually guarantee you will not be disappointed. So these two kingdoms are coming into mortal and eternal conflict. Satan, as the god of this world, is drawing the peoples of this planet into a godless oneness. Might sound ever so cool, ever so wonderful. In fact, in drafting the historic Treaty of Lisbon, As the constitution for the reviving Roman Empire, the European Union at least refused even to recognize God, having embraced the godless hatred of the French Revolution. So rather than expanding their union, this expanding union chose to declare its rebellion against the Creator by adopting symbols to set itself blatantly against Christ and his coming kingdom including the image of a woman riding the beast, taken right out of Revelation chapter 17. So there's a radical new dream in the process. The political rebuilding of Rome is not yet complete, and that's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint when we talk about its expanding now, the merger of the vision of the EU and NATO now into a much, much bigger scale. The merging of all the alleged democracies of the world, wherever they be. Now I want you to consider the implications of that. Let's look first at NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. In summary, right now it has 31 nations. They just added Finland this year. All member states together of NATO cover an area of about 957 million people. Just under a billion people. That's less than the entire population of China. Less than the entire population of India. It's 16.47% of the world's habitable area and only 12% of the world's population. But it's arguably, in its collective expression, the most powerful. So the abbreviation NATO, N-A-T-O, stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which translates roughly as an organization of the North Atlantic Treaty. It was founded in 1949 mainly as an alliance of states for the military defense of its members. Headquarters now in Brussels. And uh, the interesting thing is that it was founded four years after the United Nations, one year after the resurrected Israel, and now it is uniting together. That's the new vision. Actually, it's an older vision that is now being brought forward and declared as a potential reality for our moment in time. And we're going to see... The trajectory that has taken place even since Bill Clinton occupied the White House back in 92 and 93. 
this very day, I received from one of our listeners a picture. And it was a picture of, I think it was five previous presidents. Jimmy Carter, George Herbert Walker Bush, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, George W. Bush. And did you know every single one of them was a declared globalist? Every single one. Should we then think it a mystery that we are moving inexorably in the direction of a one-world government, a one-world Western-dominated government that now is seen through NATO to bring together all of the supposed democratic nations of the world. Now, who do you think we're going to be the opposition to that? Well... It's the nation set forth in my book, King of the Mountain. Islam, the Islamic nations, will be 100% against it. Russia is being made the odd man out. China wants to have its own one world government. Are you beginning to get at the picture? This is the looming battle, friends. This is the looming battle. And it's all rising right before your eyes and mine. And when you read this book, King of the Mountain, you will understand, given the additional things that we're sharing with you here today that were not available at that time, you'll see. It's all happening and Would you be surprised if I told you that the goal now for this globalization of NATO to take place is also 2030? The same year of the Great Reset scheduled, the same year the United Nations Agenda 2030. How is it? Why is it they've all scheduled that date? Could it possibly be that that date, that year, would be almost exactly 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, exactly 2,000 years, maybe? Think about the implications. Does that mean we are now really, truly entering, if we haven't already done so, entered and crossed the threshold of the seventh millennium? Are we getting ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Are you? Or is this just all idle information, just interesting information that doesn't connect, doesn't compute, doesn't mean anything to us? Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. It is a $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. And by the way, let me mention this. 
we've had some notice from listeners that perhaps the levels that people are trying to listen to our program via podcast or uh, from their computers have been very low. We're trying to track this to see uh, whether that is a broad experience or just happening with certain individuals. We would love to hear from you. That's not good. We want our levels to be up so it's easy to listen to the program. So please give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and let us know if you're having a problem like that, or just email us and let us know where you're coming from and what you're experiencing. Thanks so much, and we'll be right back with you after this upcoming break. Friends, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and I hope that you are, if you're not already a partner with us, that you will seriously give consideration to beginning that partnership. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. If you only knew how limited our budget is when you try to tell the truth about everything, we'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The year was 2006, and the Brookings Group issued this statement. With little fanfare, and even less notice, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization has gone global. Created to protect post-war Western Europe from the Soviet Union, the alliance is now seeking to bring stability to other parts of the world. In the process, it is extending both its geographical reach and the range of its operations. That was in 2006. Now, right now, came the announcement that, indeed, that's exactly what's happening, and that is the vision. We opened with this statement. The NATO summit on June 14th would be the first of the post-Trump NATO is obsolete era. The recommendations of the Secretary General hinted at what lay ahead. It envisions a broadening and deepening of NATO's agenda for a global alliance. A far cry from the initial purpose in 1949 of collective defense of the North Atlantic. Will this ambitious vision get the stamp of approval of the 31 alliance leaders? The Secretary General has made it clear that the consequences of the summit that was held on June 14th, my birthday this year, would at once have immediate and long-term impact. The Allies will pledge to boost their individual and collective resilience against hybrid and cyber threats. NATO's contribution to combating climate change would also be given greater visibility. The updated strategic concept 
will reflect the decisions and policy position, positions created by the summit. And the objective, listen to this, the objective will be to have transformed the NATO alliance by 2030. Are you listening? Now, there are differences that have to be resolved because there are all these different nations. The new allies, the newer allies in Central and Eastern Europe want to use this opportunity to rebalance. But other nations that have been around in NATO for a while say that creates an unbalance. Another example is the criticism that some allies, also EU members, level against Turkey for its alleged breaches of international law in the Eastern Mediterranean. Turkey, in response, resists closer NATO-EU cooperation. The Secretary General is calling for a substantial increase in NATO's commonly funded budgets to help fund more joint training and exercises. So, is it global NATO? Is it just a reality or is it rhetoric? Some say it's just going to be more political profile and not reality in operations. I don't believe it. I believe that the political is preceding the practical. And so, indeed, they've already taken practical issues going way beyond the North Atlantic into Afghanistan, into other nations. This is just a fulfillment, completing, merging policy and politics and practice into a global unification not only of the Western world, that is the resurrected Roman Empire as it existed at the time of Rome, but also those other nations around the world who are, shall we say, identifying with that resurrected Roman Empire in terms of following a democratic model. Therefore, by implication, uniting the entire so-called democratically governed world. For what purpose? Uniting them for what purpose? Well, it's an alliance, supposedly a protective alliance. Protection against what? Protection against whom? That's the issue, isn't it? Because in reality, these so-called unifying global, democratically organized nations that George W. Bush had such a love affair for and thought that he was going to achieve a utopian mission even by going into Iraq, defeating the horrible leader there in Iraq, but producing something even more dangerous because those people were not prepared for democracy and didn't even care for it. The same is true in Afghanistan. And we talk all about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but the reality is those people were never willing or ready or able to receive or embrace a completely democratic form. It was totally contrary to their culture and contrary to their God. Allah. But George Dever Bush couldn't couldn't figure that out, because after Gulf War, excuse me, after 9/11, you remember George W. Bush came out dramatically and said Jews, Muslims, and Christians all worship the same God. 
And then, as if that were not enough, two weeks later, he said, and by the way, all religions worship the same God. Really? Such ignorance. And yet the evangelical community embraced him as if he were somehow the avatar of evangelicalism. Mm. If only they had had their eyes and hearts wide open. If only. And that those words, if only, friends, are very serious words right now. I want you to think about this for a moment. Let's, let's move away from NATO. Let's move away from the concepts of globalism, godless globalism, and the implications of that. And let's think about our own lives. Because isn't that really what we're about? You and I can't change NATO. You and I cannot change uh, any of those things. They're either beyond our pay grade (laughs) or they're just beyond our sphere. We just don't have any place of authority there other than through prayer and through doing what we can with our elected representatives to stand against some of those things that we feel are ungodly and anti-biblical. On the other hand, what we can do, we should do. And that's what ultimately this program is about. That's why it has been said you just cannot listen to viewpoint long and not be changed. Why is that? Because we present the facts, we present the information, and then we present it in such a way that if you truly are honest, have an honest heart, you will connect the dots for your life. And that's going to be is going to require change. Change you can really believe in. Not political change per se, but change you can really believe in in your own life. Change that your children can believe in. Change that your grandchildren can believe in. Pastors, change that the people sitting in your pews, they will realize something has happened to our pastor. This man is truly anointed by God. He's not playing the game anymore. He's willing to stand in the evil day, and he's not just willing to stand for things that show him off as against government. He's willing to stand for things that God says are extremely important but are not popular in our culture or even in our churches. He's willing to stand. And he's willing to take the consequences, whatever they be. Now, we're at the moment of truth in the Valley of Decision. Just as the prophet Joel spoke about there in Joel chapter 3, you ought to go back and read it. Actually, read the whole book of Joel. It's only three or four chapters. Just read it. Ask the Lord what the implications for you might be. Because there are. But consider, you and I need to take seriously what's happening in our world. Not because of what's happening in the world, but because God has said what was going to happen in the world and why and what would be the consequences if we were not ready. That's the reason. It's not so that we can be informed. It's so that the information 
can be translated for application in your life and in mine so that we can be transformed and be prepared for the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. The majority of Western Christians are radically unprepared for what is going to take place. They don't have a clue, not even a clue. Now, they might generally think, oh, yeah, well, yeah, things are going pretty bad. They're, it's not good. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm talking about being prepared in the innermost part of your being, friends. Not just prepared in your mind. Be prepared in your heart, deep in your soul. Like the King James Version talks about the, my reins, R-E-I-N-S, which basically has been translated my kidneys. In other words, deep in my innermost organs that's where we need to have these convictions that's where our faith needs to be rooted not in some series of words that we can recite to gain a membership in a church that's relatively irrelevant i said relatively i didn't say it's totally irrelevant it's relatively irrelevant because it doesn't bring you to a place of trust. It's just information. It's religious information that you're attesting to. That's not what God has called us to. Yes, he wants us to believe truth. Yes, he does. He doesn't want us to be swept away by every wind of doctrine. But what he does want us to do is trust him, take him at his word, come what may regardless of our feelings at any given moment, that circumstances are not going to define the decisions that I make, the course of my life, what I teach or don't teach to my children, what I say or don't say from the pulpit, what I write or don't write in my books. Do you know I have never yet, of the 10 books I've written, not once have I considered what will please the reader? What will be most likely to sell this book? I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in speaking what God wants people to hear, not what people want to hear. You see the difference? I don't want to betray you, and neither does God. We'll get back to NATO when we come back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're taking a look at 
dramatic firsts that are taking place in our world. We launched with them right at the beginning of the program, and the primary focus of the program today is on the resurrection of the Roman Empire and its expansion from the EU nations and the Western world as we have known it through NATO to embrace all democratically oriented nations on the planet, way beyond the North Atlantic, way beyond the Americas. That's what we're looking at here today on Viewpoint. So, uh, as we are in this final segment of the program today, I'm going to provide some additional information uh, for you. Uh, Jeremy Rifkin uh, wrote a piece a number of years ago that the vision, the European vision, was a new type of power. They called it a kind of superpower based on waging peace, waging peace. Now, I want to uh, connect the dots for you uh, with the book of Daniel, the prophecy of Daniel, who talks about this counterfeit Christ figure uh, who will head up this massive beast empire. And it, one of the things that it describes of him is that he will gain the kingdom by two things. One, flattery, and two, pursuit of peace or waging peace. Now, the problem with the waging of peace is that the pursuit of peace, the Bible says, he will destroy many. In other words, it will not be peace as you know it, as we know it, as we think about it. It's not going to be shalom. It's going to be the pursuit of security and prosperity only of those who will embrace the vision of the new world government, which will require that you embrace all of its requirements, including the mark that will unite you in your pledge of allegiance to its support, entitling you to be able to conduct business. If you do not, you will be excised out of the pursuit of peace because you will be perceived to be the enemy of peace. The United Nations has already talked about this historically. The New Agers have talked about this very explicitly. I talk about it in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. If you have not read that book, you should, because it's going to help you to understand way beyond things that are never included in my book, King of the Mountain, or in my book, Antichrist. You see, there's a series of books, in a sense, that unfold in a very significant way the opening up or unveiling of world history and biblical prophecy so that we know how to respond. So, it's said that imitation is the ultimate flattery. So, if that be so, the European Union, that was the resurrecting bones of the ancient Roman Empire, stands, I guess, profoundly flattered. For the entire world is in hot pursuit of waging peace to secure security and prosperity. That is shalom. By forging, forging all kinds of regional governments... Uh, at one point when I wrote the book, uh, King of the Mountain, there were 15 such uh, governments. Actually, I think there were more than that in the process of being formed. No, 15. And 
uh, a number of them had already been formed, and some of them were merging together. And I believe the Bible tells us that ultimately there will be 10 such governments, regional governments. Now, most prominent of all of this was the Security and Prosperity Partnership signed in secrecy by U.S. President George W. Bush with the Mexican President Vincente Fox, you remember, and Canadian Prime Minister Paul Martin uh, there in Texas in 2005. Now, they publicly denied that it was to establish the North American Union to merge the United States, Mexico, and Canada. But it was true. That's what they did. And it was continued undercover by President Barack Obama. Then, in 2008, President George W. Bush signed the Transatlantic Economic Integration Agreement between the U.S. and the European Union, citing the same supposed economic purpose to which the rise of the European Union was attributed. So Angela Merkel from Germany, and then the the president of the European Council, uh, José Manuel Barroso, signed this document. And they committed to a transatlantic common market between the U.S. and the European Union by 2015. That was a period of seven years. And it didn't even require ratification of Congress. That was a Republican president who was doing that, friends. George W. Bush. And it was his daddy who, on February 1st, 1992, the very year that God spoke to my heart to leave the practice of law at the height of my career, complete his cause of the land, that was the year President Herbert George Herbert Walker Bush spoke over 200 times announcing the coming of a new world order. How is it that we don't get it? How is it that we don't understand it? So now, we're in this, it's a latter time traitor in trust to gain global dominion, to invite men to sacrifice their eternal souls for the promise of temporal peace and prosperity. Satan's global governmental gospel has to become near universally embraced. And now, shockingly, anyone who resists the EU is deemed a a terrorist. That is, according to Italian President Giorgio Napolitano at a news conference, that's what he said. But those broadly labeled terrorists today are going to be deemed traitors tomorrow. Have you not been hearing those words in our own country, friends, coming from the Democrat Party? coming from even the Department of Justice? So as it was with ancient Rome, the resurrecting end-time Rome is going to brook no opposition once enthroned. What has happened to people who said, we're not in favor of what's going on here, and they showed up there at the White House uh, for a demonstration, and... Over a 1,000 of them were thrown in prison, and after years, they're still in solitary confinement in little stone boxes, friends, and this is the United States of America. And you think this can't happen to you? Come on. Where are our heads these days? Manson's spiritual deception is mounting right, right now, friends, is the final bridge. It's a bidding 
politicians and pastors and priests and parishioners and popes and parachurch leaders to cross over the worldly Jordan into a counterfeit promised land of global security and prosperity or shalom. In reality, it's the anti-gospel. It's choreographing an increasingly faithless, faith, a feeling-driven world into a final collective rebellion against God in the battle for king of the mountain, the holy mount of God. For it is said that he who rules the temple mount rules the world. Well, we go back to the councilofforeignrelations.org article concerning the rise of NATO. Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, a non-member in early 2022, has shaken Europe's security architecture and prompted a major reevaluation of NATO members' foreign policies and defense commitments and created the greatest tension with the alliance of the post-Cold War era. It's driving up defense spending and has pushed some longtime NATO partners, namely Finland and Sweden, to seek full membership. And Finland has just become a member in April this year. It's moving very rapidly. As a first step, Bill Clinton chose to develop a new NATO initiative called the Partnership for Peace. NATO launched the Partnership for Peace at its annual summit in 1994. More than two dozen countries, including Georgia, Russia, and Ukraine, joined in the following months. But Clinton soon began speaking publicly about expanding NATO's membership. So this is going back now, 30 years. And now it's coming front row center. NATO centered in Brussels. It requires a consensus-based alliance in which decisions have to be unanimous. However, individual states or subgroups of allies can initiate action outside NATO's auspices. NATO's military structure comprises two strategic commands, the Supreme Headquarters of Allied Powers in Europe, located near Mons, Belgium, and the Allied Command Transformation, located in Norfolk, Virginia, just 70 miles from where this broadcast is emanating. We know a lot about the various problems with financing NATO and how the United States has borne 70% of the burden. And that's why Donald J. Trump said, look, you guys either shoulder your burden as you required, as you pledged to do, or we're going to pull out of NATO. He said, we're tired of playing this game. The United States is not just your big benefactor. You have to be a participant. But now, NATO has commanded over 130,000 troops from more than 50 alliance and partner countries at the height of its command in Afghanistan alone, believe it or not. Moscow has viewed NATO's post-Cold War expansion into Central and Central Eastern Europe with great concern, and that is what drove Russia to attack Ukraine. Russia had been warning, Vladimir Putin had been warning the United States and NATO, don't do it. Don't keep pushing this. I cannot allow you to come right on my border and set up your nukes. But we didn't listen. That's one of the main reasons why Russia attacked. Whether you agree with it or not, in his viewpoint, that's why. 
But swift expansion of NATO eastward could make a neo-imperialist Russia a self-fulfilling prophecy, wrote Secretary of State, then Secretary of State Warren Christopher, from the Washington Post in January of 1994. Twenty-nine years ago. This has been in the works now for some time. NATO was formed with 12 founding members, added new members nine times, most recently Finland joined in April of this year, exactly 74 years after NATO's formation. Sweden is, Sweden is expected to join shortly. So where does this all leave us? This leaves us on the edge of an international global precipice, if that is the appropriate word. In other words, push is coming to shove. Prophecy is becoming a radical reality on the ground. And indeed, during the same period of time of the rebirth of Israel, the formation of the United Nations, the formation of NATO, and now the supposed Great Reset set for 2030. All of these things within a period of about 80 years. What did Jesus mean when he said, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled? What generation was that? I'm not here to try to tell you exactly what it was because there's so much debate about it. But right now, we're still within the broader reaches of the greater generation from which all these things began. Whether you want to mark it at 1948, 1967 with the recapture of Jerusalem, we're there. Question. Are you truly prepared in body, soul, and spirit for what is coming? That's why I'm writing a new book called When Persecution Comes to help you be prepared. It'll come out hopefully within a year or so. Pray for me in that regard. But in the meantime, get a copy of King of the Mountain, The Eternally Epic End Time Battle, $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. By the way, if you've had trouble with levels on this program, listening at various times, let us know. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. Do it today. Let's do this thing together. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.